The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message. Well, that scenario that my husband just almost fell off. <laughs> that scenario that Fabian just described is a scenario that many Hispanic Many immigrants, but especially Hispanic immigrants, find themselves in right here in the United States. Did you know that the United States has the second largest population of any other country in the world? So first you have Mexico with the number of Hispanics, and then the USA. What does that mean for us as the church? That means that the United States is the second largest mission field for Hispanics in the whole world. That moment... Many of you have arrived at that moment. Some of you are just still figuring out what this thing about God is all about. But many of us have arrived at that moment when we recognized our need for something greater, our need for God, for Jesus Christ to move in our lives. You know, when people uh, reach that point, where's the first place you think of going? A church. Uh, Hispanics are largely underserved in the United States for churches. And as our vision um, as a family, is to see a healthy, spirit-led ministry in every Hispanic community. You know, when they arrived at that moment, the question for, especially in er rural areas like uh, most of Kentucky is, the question for them is not, which church can I go to? You know, today, I don't know exactly too much about Richmond, but I think you could have chosen maybe if you wanted to go to a tr very traditional church with no musicians or where we just stood up and sung hymns and all wore suit and ties. You probably could have chosen to come to a Pentecostal church. You probably could have chosen all types of places. But for Hispanic people, especially those that struggle with English still, the question's not, which church can I go to, but is, is there even a church for me? So our mission is to inspire and equip churches, just like this one, to plant, to grow, and to develop Hispanic uh, ministries and churches. We have three kids. We have uh, little Samuel. He just turned four. We have Belen. She's our little princess, and she knew she was in charge from day one. She's two and a half. And then our little baby Fabian, who is... Um, going to be a, a year old this month. I'm Rebecca and Fabian, and we are so excited to be here with you guys and to partner with churches across Kentucky and partner with uh, churches from where we came from. We just moved here six months ago from Texas to be able to reach Hispanics. And we're so thankful for what God is doing in your community. I'm going to pass this over to Fabian, but just wanted to greet you. And if you have any questions, I'd love to talk with you and uh, introduce our kiddos to you later on. God bless you guys. Thank you, honey. Uh, you know, my wife didn't tell you, but she's actually from Kentucky. She was born in Lebanon. She's a pastor's daughter. Her dad's been in the same church for over 20, almost 30 years, I think. And when she was around 11 years old, uh, she felt a call to ministry. She grew up in church, you know. But she, she had a dream, and she felt a call to ministry. In that call, she felt like the Lord wanted her to learn another language. And what was it, about 20 years ago or something like that? Well, that age is right there. <laughs> About 20 years ago or so, she uh, started to learn Spanish. And my wife is fluent in Spanish. And I'm going to tell you, only God can do that in the middle of Kentucky with the white little girl, you know. <laughs> so I know my wife's had a calling in her life since she was little. But unlike my wife, I, uh, I grew up differently. I uh, was born in Mexico, Catholic background. We came to the U.S. when I was 10 and uh, became migrant workers started going from South Texas to Minnesota. 
uh, in the summers, and we used to work in the fields. And, uh, you know, going to rural America to work, you realize that, yes, you may have a job, you may have a house, you may have everything you need, but one thing we lacked as a family was a church. One thing we lacked as a family was God's word. And, you know, when you grow up without God, family tends to be dysfunctional. And we had a big need, and that was a church. You know, I actually ended up joining the Marine Corps, did seven years, uh, two humanitarian missions and one combat mission, through which uh, my uh, small belief in God was shattered. I believe, man, God isn't real. You know, how can there be a God if there's so much hunger, hunger disease, and so much uh, death? So God can't be real. You know, I got out at 28 years, uh, 25 years old because I was offered a six-figure contract. And like many people think that the American dream was making money. And I took the job, but my sister died in a car accident a month after I got out of the Marine Corps. Through which my parents gave their life to Jesus Christ. And their life was transformed. But I went on a journey to try to look for this God that my parents had been given their lives to. And for the next two years, I tried the Mormon religion. I tried Islam. And um, I was really trying to find God. I also did not take that six-figure contract because my mother asked me not to go back to Iraq. And I found myself uh, in Minnesota working in the fields, in the harvest fields. A person who was broken, who needed the Lord. I was an alcoholic. I was empty. I was lonely. And I went to a local church in this rural community. And it was primarily Anglo people. I asked to speak to the pastor. They gave me a phone number. No, they asked me for my phone number, and they said, he'll call you. This gentleman never called me. And I was disappointed with the church. I didn't want nothing to do with God. I found myself having a new, uh, a new um, job as a deep-sea diver. I went to school for a year. And while I was going to school, the Mormon church approached me, Islam approached me, and I tried them both, and I could not find God. I was an alcoholic. I was lonely, empty, and desperate. I found myself uh, getting a new job in Louisiana, a small rural, rural community, making ten to $15,000 a month. And uh, on the outside, it looked like I had everything going on. But inside, I was empty, I was lonely, and I was desperate. On a Sunday morning, I woke up, and I wanted to go to church. And I'm in an Anglo community. And I say, man, I want to go to church, but I don't want to go to a white church. That's the reality. I want to go to a Hispanic church. And uh, I did what anybody would have done on a Sunday morning. The only place that had seen Hispanic people was Walmart. So I, I went to Walmart. You can find anything you want at Walmart, I'm telling you. Found three Hispanic guys in Walmart. They did not go to church. However, they told me about a church that had a sign in Spanish in that community. I went to that church. When I walked in, it was a bunch of white people. <laughs> However, there was an usher who ushered me in, made me feel welcome, made me feel loved and accepted. And there was a lady who shared a testimony before the pastor even preached about her brother whose name was Fabian. And she said, my brother has a great job. He makes great money. He seems to have it all under control, but he's lonely, he's empty, he's desperate, and he needs God. And I'll tell you, that was a word that I needed to hear. It was my name, and it was my spiritual condition. I'll say this much. That day, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. But I gave my life to Jesus because there was a pastor who saw a need. And all he could do was translate the service. There was an usher who made me feel welcome to God's kingdom. 
and didn't just usher me to a chair, but to God's kingdom. There was a lady who later I found out she was sensitive to God's spirit. Though she was timid, she got up in the middle of that service and she shared a testimony that was the word I needed to hear to give my life to Jesus. It's been over 10 years and my life has changed. God is great. Brothers and sisters, there is a God who loves us. For he, his word says that I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans of good and not of evil. To give you a hope and an expected future. This is the God that I met. A God that had a good plan for my life. A God who gave me hope and definitely has given me a great future with an awesome wife, you know. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses uh, 35 to 38. Lord, I just thank you this morning, Father, for giving us the opportunity to be here in Richmond, Kentucky, Lord, to share with your body, Lord Jesus, not only the need for Hispanic ministries, but the need for ministers, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you are good, and I pray your word would penetrate our hearts and may you speak to us individually, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, 36, 37, and 38. And Jesus went about all the cities. Uh, and, I'm sorry. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion and them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Brothers, there is a great need today for laborers. But before I get to speak about this, I want to Bring us from the, from the book, uh, speak a little bit about the background of the book of Matthew and bring us through every chapter just a little bit so that we can see where Jesus is at. So the book of Matthew, uh, if you've been coming to church quite a few, reading the Bible, you probably know about it. Matthew was a man who walked with Jesus. He witnessed his miracles. He heard his sermons and his teachings. He saw Jesus moving in this earth just like you can see me today. But he records what he saw. And in the first book, he talks about the genealogy of Jesus Christ and about his birth. This book is primarily targeted towards uh, Jews. Uh, in the second uh, chapter, we see that he talks about the Magi, or three wise kings, as it says in Spanish, who were not Jewish. And he talks about King Herod, who started to persecute Jesus and wanted to kill him. In chapter 3... We see Jesus growing up and being baptized in water and receiving the Holy Spirit. In chapter 4, we see Jesus being led into the wilderness of the Spirit, fasting 40 days and being tempted of the devil. But he overcame through the word of God. In chapters 5 through 7, we see that Jesus begins his public ministry where he has the very famous uh, sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about the Beatitudes. He talks about fulfilling the law, not abolishing the law. He talks about having an eternal perspective, not an earthly perspective. And in chapters uh, 8 and 9, we see him in chapter 8. He is descending from that uh, sermon. And the multitudes come, and they meet with him. They come, and they 
are sick. Some of them have diseases. Others are demon-possessed. And Jesus begins to perform miracles. He begins to heal the sick. He begins to cast out demons. And he even is raising people from the dead. We also see that as he grows in fame, the religious leaders of the time begin to become jealous of him and begin to talk against him. But Jesus is one who has come to preach and to teach with an authority that only comes from heaven that never had been seen before. And I believe we cannot see it until he comes back again. We can see some of it through our actions, but not just the way that Jesus had it. And this is where we find ourselves this morning in this text. Jesus goes to Cap Capernaum, his hometown, in chapter 9. He raises somebody from the dead. He continues. And, and then it says here, chapter 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And this is where I would like for you guys to do a highlight. Do a highlight here. And I pray this blesses you like it blessed me. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Listen, brothers and sisters. Here is Jesus. He has been healing the sick. He has been casting out demons. He has been performing miracles. He's raising people from the dead. He's been walking through multitudes. But here the text, it tells us that he comes again to another multitude. And he stops. And he's moved with compassion. He's moved with compassion because it says that they, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I don't know, brothers and sisters. I know God's word right here. The book of Matthew was targeted, was mainly written towards Jews. But I'm going to tell you this word applies to your life and it applies to my life today. When I first got saved, I started reading the book of Matthew. Started reading words like, if any man is heavy burden, come unto me and I shall give rest to his souls. It was talking about me. He started talking about having an eternal perspective in life rather than an earthly one. It was talking about me. And I'm going to tell you, when he talks here, it says that the multitudes were in need. It is the same need that the multitudes have today. It is the same need that is found in this neighborhood, in this city. It is the same need that is found in the United States. It is the same need that is found throughout the world. And that is the need for a savior. A need for a healer. A, me, a, a need to be delivered. A need to know the Lord who is the one who loves us. His name is Jesus. But it says here that he saw these people tired, worry, and they were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And then, you know, he's moved with compassion. He understands, he feels the pain and the need. But compassion will compel you to do something. And listen, he has been working this whole time. He has been healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching and teaching. Does he continues to do that? He says this is the action he's compelled to do. And this is the highlight. He tells his disciples... Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth 
labors into his harvest. He does not go and heal more of the sick. He does not go and cast out more demons and deliver people. He does not go and continue to do miracles. He continues to do it further. But at this specific moment, he's compelling people to action. And the action is to pray, to pray, to pray. And brothers and sisters, if you've been in ministry, if you've been a giver, if you've given out of your time, money, and effort because you see the need, the need for people, physical need, emotional need, and spiritual need, if you've been a giver, if you've been a servant of Jesus Christ, there is times that we may feel overwhelmed. There is times that you can say, God, I can give everything away, and I can do nothing. God, I could work 24-7, and I still wouldn't be able to. God, there's somebody that needs to hear about you. I can't get to them. If we're not careful, brothers, we can be overwhelmed and act and think that it's the works and the actions. No, when we feel and come to this point, God says, pray, 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 pray that he, the Lord of the harvest, would send more laborers. And you guys are going into a second service. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. If you're a volunteer, if you're somebody who serves this community through this congregation, let me tell you, if you come to a place where you feel overwhelmed, pray, pray that God will send forth his laborers. Because the truth is that he will send the laborers. As we see in chapter 10 and verse 1, and when he had called unto him the 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits, to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Verse 5, he says, he tells them to go. Verse 7, he says, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers and raise the dead. Cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. Brothers and sisters, I told you a little bit about my testimony. I got saved in a church in a rural community that saw a need for Hispanic ministries. And that pastor did all he could. And he asked the people that were in his service. That spoke Spanish. To translate the service. He used a little marketing technique. And put a big sign in Spanish. And that drew me into that church. But once I walked into that church. I walked in with a certain experience. Of what religion was like. But there was a man. Who greeted me at the door. He greeted me with God's love, and I almost walked away, but he said, son, you've made it this far. Take a few more steps. We will love to have you. And it was this usher who ushered me into God's kingdom. It was this lady who shared a testimony about her brother who spoke my life, and it was because a pastor had a vision, but it was because the Holy Spirit was moving through the whole body of Christ. The Bible tells us if you're, if you're overwhelmed, if you're feeling like there's a big multitude and a big need, tells us that there is a big God who has his labors. And I believe God, if we pray, I believe I'm the answer to somebody's prayer. I'm the answer to my grandmother's prayer. I got saved because she prayed for me for years. But I got saved because there was a community of believers in Patterson, Louisiana, who reached out to Hispanics with the love of God. 
And I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, I believe this with all of my heart, that here in Richmond, Kentucky, here in this neighborhood, here in your community, there are people that are being prayed for because they are the harvest field. And people are praying like you pray for your loved ones that don't know God. God sends somebody that would tell them about you. God sends somebody that would show them your love. And I'm going to tell you, I believe God is answering that prayer. You know how he's answering that prayer? He's answering that prayer through you guys. I believe you are the answer to somebody's prayer. Somebody's praying for their mother, for their father, for their brother, for their sister, for their grandmother. Somebody's praying for the person you come across with on a daily basis on the other side of the cashier, the person that works for you, the person that you work for. Somebody's praying for them. And guess what? You are the light. You are the labor. You are God's sin individual. The Great Commission is for all of us. Go ye throughout the world, to every nation, through, and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the, the Holy Ghost, casting out devils and laying hands, and they shall recover. God's called us to do the practical things. And I've been praying for you guys for two years. Pastor, I've been praying for your congregation for two years. I've been praying for the volunteers here. It was not a great sermon that saved me. It was a great God who moved through a church that was willing to serve him. To a, a community of believers who did what they could because God has called us to do the practical things. He does the supernatural. And I'm going to tell you, if you're an usher, if you lead the worship, if you clean these carpets, I don't know what it is that you do to serve your community through this congregation. But I want to tell you, I've been praying for you for two years, that you would not grow complacent and think that what you do is any less than what the pastor does up here. It's any less than what I do here because we're called to be one and to work together. And what you do when you greet somebody at the door, what you do when you take care of a child, what you do when you clean these carpets is that you make the ability for the Holy Spirit to touch somebody's life for eternity. What you do in the practical has an eternal impact. And I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, that when God calls us, and he's called every single one of us to preach the gospel, he doesn't say, pastor, preach the gospel. He called everybody. The Great Commission is for everybody. How can we preach the gospel if I have not been to a theology school? How can I preach the gospel? His word says, Revelation 12, 11, for we are saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. For we not, we not love our lives till death. I'm going to tell you, this is how we do it. We may not know everything that's in the Bible. We may not be theologians. But we have an experience with the one who has saved us if we are truly Christians. And he says that because of what he's done at the cross and what he's done in my life 10 years ago, I can go and tell somebody about Jesus. And brothers and sisters, you are the light. You are the laborers for this community. You have been called to minister to your community through this congregation. And man, I am so excited to see what the Lord will continue to do through this second service. But brothers and sisters, I am here as an Assemblies of God U.S. missionary candidate. Matter of fact, brother, I used to have a roofing company for six years. I know how it is to make six figures. I know how it is to give. But I also know 
how it is to give, not just monetarily, but everything when God called you. Because the truth is that roofing company was never mine. The truth is that what I gave was never mine. It was always God. See, I was in Bible school for several years. Met my wife. We got married. It was awesome. I went to business school. And I was studying business. And I started this little roofing company. And in three months, I made 30000 bucks, And I said, man, this is good, you know. But when God said, I'm going to teach you how to start a business, he said, one day I'm going to ask you to quit and bring that knowledge to the church. It was six years later. He reminded me of how when I was a boy in rural America, working in the fields, having a house, having a job, having food, how we had everything we needed. But what we didn't have was the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth is, brothers, that when I read this scripture, I know there's a big need in your community. This, regardless of the cultural background or the language barriers, there's a big need. But when I read this scripture, it says, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. It really touches my heart when I think about rural communities and Hispanic people. Because in a place like yours, brothers and sisters, there is people who are Hispanic who come to work for the American dream may end up making money, but they're just as empty and lonely as the person that's been here a hundred years and does not know God. There is a big need throughout rural communities. I come from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. In Dallas-Fort Worth, 11.2 million people. Compare that to Kentucky, you know, 4.2 million. Big difference. In Dallas, you know, Hispanic ministries and churches, you don't have to be intentional. They happen. They happen because Hispanic people will come. But in rural communities like this one, brothers and sisters, the church, we have to be intentional. Because there's a need and people are scattered. This is not a city that people are in. This is a county. This is counties with two, three hundred people. And you know what? The finances are not there to sustain a Hispanic ministry. But the need is there. The need is the same. And my wife and I, we believe that God has, you know, called us into ministry because there is a great need for Hispanic people to go to church and know and feel and experience the love of God in a practical way, just like you and I. And that can only happen through the body, brothers and sisters. You are the body. You know, as you support missions, you're supporting God's work through individuals like me who were making six figures. And there's nothing wrong with that, I'm going to tell you. But what's wrong is that if you're doing it and God is calling you into ministry, you're not doing that. Because people are dying. But if, if God's called you into business, great. It's not yours, it's the Lord's. But if God's calling you into full-time ministry, take the step. Because his word is true. And he says, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them the power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. I'm going to tell you, if you have a call upon your life for full-time ministry, there's a big need for more churches. Pastor, you were telling me there's only one AG church here. Not to say that 
the other churches are bad. Oh, I'm so thankful that there's Baptists, that there's other churches who, who are serving the Lord and are reaching their communities. But there is a big need for ministries. And if you're calling to full-time ministry, I ask you, trust the Lord. He will provide. My house is paid for. My cars are paid for. We have no debt. We don't hunger. We have no luxuries. Don't take me wrong. Well, I have, an, I have a, a note phone, you know, so I guess that's a luxury, you know. But I'm going to tell you this. God has provided all of our needs, and he continues to do that. But he's done more than that. He's empowered us to do what he did for me, to bring the gospel to Hispanic people. And that can only happen through the body. Pastor, I'm so thankful that you have allowed us to come here this morning and share God's heart for Hispanic people. We believe that God wants to see a healthy, spirit-led uh, ministry in every Hispanic community. And our mission is to inspire and equip churches just like yours to plan, to grow, and to develop Hispanic ministries because God will move through you. All he's asking is, are you willing? Because he's able. He is able. So, Pastor, I'm going to give this back to you. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.